Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who has not yet fixed my golf swing, but you know, it's a work in progress. Brandon Siegel, how you doing? I'm doing well. Trevor, here's the thing, though. You moved away from, from where we used to live. You know? Yeah. You moved away from me, so how, how am I working on the golf swing? Um, you know, when you're not here, it's, I'm not uh, be able to do it's it. Gonna, it's going to be tough. You know, we're going to have to get on a uh, FaceTime when I'm out on the golf course and you're, I'm going to set the camera up, prop it up and then you're going to watch uh-huh. me and then you'll give me little pointers. You'll be like, Oh, you know, it just, Oh, your elbow is like going all over the place. You need to do this. We'll have and, to do that. You know, we'll have to break it down <laughs> and maybe, maybe we can even get my, my, uh, my grandfather, uh, who will probably listen right now. He's, he's, that's the teacher. That's the teacher. You oh, need. okay. As teacher needs, so we, we might have to get him on the phone. Maybe we can help you with your swing. Awesome. Um, but we have a great episode planned for today. A lot of NBA stuff, wouldn't you say? You know, we're deep in the playoffs now. Absolutely. Kind of getting out of the first round. Um, Trevor, before before we kind of get into the podcast, how how would you describe the playoffs so far? In one word, one word. How would you describe the playoffs? Uh, the playoffs. Mm, chaotic, I guess. Chaotic would be my word. So. Trevor, I, I actually, I, I'm going a little bit off script. We, uh, everyone that's in the podcast, we normally have a lot going on. We, we, we vigorously go through our script. Trevor, I'm going to go a little bit off script because we just got breaking news. My dad actually just texted me. Um, there's been a trade for Julio Jones. Oh. Uh, so have you seen this? No. Yet? Have you seen I have this? not. Okay, so, so I, I, I know we're going a little bit off script, um, but the Julio Jones trade did happen. Can you guess who it's with? I'd like to see what your guess is. Um... So I know, I mean, I, it's not it's not going to be the Patriots. I, I there's no way I don't think. Um, it's not the Patriots. My guess, I, I know he said I read like a quote. He was like, "I need a big armed quarterback that can deliver the deep ball." Um, I, I my the fit that I really liked was I like the Titans personally, mm-hmm. and then. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know if the Colts would be able to get him, but that could be another one potentially. I'm going to say the Titans. That, that would, that's that's where I think might be the best fit. That's my instinct. Trevor, you're right. It is the Tennessee Titans. Wow. They have traded for Julio Jones, and it, this just happened. I mean, literally, we clicked record, and it just happened. So, uh, you know, this is this is very very new, but. Um, it's for at least a second-round pick, according to Ian Rappaport. So I understand there'll be more details probably after this pod. And I'm sorry for going off script a little bit there, Trevor, but I feel like oh, no, yeah. it was worth it to go off the script there. Julio Jones is now a Titan. And so here's here's my question for you, okay, uh, before we kind of go into the full episode. Um, where does this put the Titans? Does this Is this a big enough boost, do you think, where they can take it to the next level? Or do you think, eh, hey, it's a receiver. You know, receivers are important, but they're not that important. You know, you see, like, OBJ on the Browns. Some people would say that he hurt them. Um, you know, there's tons of receivers everywhere who, who can kind of be diminished by, you know, other play, whether it's, you know, good running back play or a bad quarterback. Now, I'm not saying that the Titans have either. Well, they do have a good running back. I think they have a good quarterback, too. But what do you think about this trade for the Titans? Um, I mean, obviously, it, it's definitely a big piece that um, will definitely help. Obviously, the Titans already had a pretty solid offense. Um, their main weak point is their defense. However... With Julio, I think this really could give them 
um, a high-powered offense, you know, one of the best in the NFL for sure, I would say top three, assuming that Ryan Tannehill keeps playing either at the level he's been playing at or a higher level, ideally, with the addition of Julio. You have Derrick Henry there, um, pretty good offensive line. So their offense is is really going to be one of the best. Um, now, the defense still needs it, still has holes to fill, a lot of issues there. You look at a team like the Packers last year, they had like this such mm-hmm. very high-powered offense, yet the defense had some issues. They weren't able to get over the hump, you know, make it to the NFC Championship game in fall. Um, so the Titans, obviously coming off of their loss to the Ravens mm-hmm. in the wild card, I think it gives them, um, it definitely puts them up there. You know, you look at like the Chiefs, the Bills, probably still my top two teams. Um, and then you they're in the mix there, the Ravens, the Browns. I, I, I guess I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think where I would rank them in the AFC. I think I would still have Chiefs one. And I think I'd still have, I'm, I'm torn between Buffalo, Baltimore, and Tennessee. I think between those three, that's two through four, and then I put the Browns fifth. So I don't know. I think they can be anywhere between that two through four, but I, I still think the Chiefs have made some really good moves, and I still think the Chiefs are the team to beat in the AFC. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with everything you said. I don't think this necessarily moves them up an enormous amount, but, you know, it's definitely a big help. You know, that's that's a big X factor on offense that you got to deal with defensively. You know, you look at the Ravens who have good, you know, a uh, good sec, really good secondary, arguably the best two corners, com- like a best corner combination in the league. Um, and this is another weapon they got to worry about. You know, we already have A.J. Brown there, um, and this is going to be this is going to be a lot to worry with. Um, so I, I think this, this helps them a good amount is, are they better than the Bills or Chiefs with this? No, probably not. Um, but they're going to be very, very competitive and it's, it's going to be interesting seeing Julio Jones in a different jersey. I mean, we've been watching him forever in the Falcons jersey, so it's going to be quite interesting to see that. But again, Trevor, sorry for going a little bit off script. Let's get back on the script here. Um, because we have had a lot of big news happening this week. The first thing up is Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski. Um, he's, he's, he's Coach Duke for, I mean, as the forever. Yeah. Right? Uh, when did he? Was For, that code 1980? 41 seasons. 41 seasons. He's been coaching. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy that he's been at the same school. And the thing is, they've been good virtually. I mean, like, like literally probably almost every one of those years. So, I mean, Trevor, I, you said you kind of thought this was coming. I, I didn't see that at all. This wasn't, I didn't see it coming at all. I think it's the type of thing to me where I'm like, I just never thought it would happen. Obviously, it would, and it was soon, but, like, I just never thought this would be the year. You know, it's the same thing with, like, Tom Brady or LeBron retiring. Like, I just, I know it's going to happen sooner than later, but, like, I just don't see it being this year. And then the next year, I'm like, nah, it can't be this year. Like, they're, I mean, Brady and LeBron are playing at the top of their game still. Like, I, it's that type of thing. But w- what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think there definitely is an element to it where I also am like, yeah, there's a surprise factor here because Coach K, at least in our generation, you know, with the coaches we grow up, he's the the first name you think of it's like coach k and then after that it's like roy williams and uh bill self john calipari uh tom Izzo. sorry to mention that name but he's up there but coach k is number one he's the first guy you think of um so definitely a little bit of a shock you know from that sense Mm -hmm. but you look at some kind of the other factors that have happened recently you see roy williams also retiring uh, about two months ago now uh, Coach K is 74 years old. You look at how Duke performed this past season, uh, definitely uh, underperformed expectations, even with some talented freshmen. I mean, recruiting has gotten, I think, increasingly more difficult in the past 
you know, few years, obviously some of the transfer rules and the one and done stuff like that, it's harder to recruit. And it's, I mean, recruiting is a very tough job. It's, it's a grind. Um, it's a lot of hard work. Um, I'm sure I'm assuming that there's a lot of nights that maybe some sleepless nights. So coach K, you know, at 74, maybe, you know, part of it was he didn't really want to do that anymore. And then also he talked about, you know, um, how his family had a say in it and that they've been discussing it for the past few years. So I think all of those factors play in. I don't think it's mm-hmm. solely what he said, that it's only family. I think those other things do um, matter. The fact that they weren't as good, the fact that the recruiting grind, he didn't mention those, but I think that's part of it. So, you know, I, I am not super surprised that this uh, came based on all those factors. But, you know, now he kind of gets, I guess, like a little farewell tour. I think that's going to be awesome. Um, you know, and it, it really is just going to be a great year to celebrate all of his accomplish- accomplishments, of course. Um, he has five national championships, 12 Final Fours. And Duke's always been good. They've had a ton of great players. Um, I've listened to a couple podcasts recently, like J.J. Redick, one of the Duke greats, who's talked about how much Coach K meant to him. Jay Williams, another one who is a great uh, player for Duke in the early 2000s. And just so many um, great player testimonials about Coach K. Um, I, I guess just is you know, tells you what you need to know about Coach K, that he's a great leader and, you know, just a great person. So definitely needs to be celebrated. And then also we have John Shire coming in, who I think is 33 years old. So definitely younger than most coaches, definitely younger than the average. But there's been a lot of things, uh, a great thing said about him. Very smart uh, guy. Obviously, he was a really good player at Duke in their 2010 national title team, where he unfortunately, you know, kind of uh, <laughs> dropped buckets on my West Virginia Mountaineers in the Final Four. I think he had like 23 in that game. But going to be interesting uh, to see how he does because, you know, kind of changing of the of the tide here with just in general, I think this generation of coaches, Coach K, Roy Williams, you know, maybe, I mean, soon I would assume that maybe Jim Beheim thinks about retiring, you know, Calipari, Izzo. So it's interesting. We're kind of getting this new generation of coaches um, and it's going to be fun to see, you know, how things change and uh, advance. It's so weird to me. He's been coaching our whole life. You know, we've always known Coach K and Duke. They're they're one and the same, you know? And he's not only is he such a great coach, everybody loves him. Every single player that's played for him, all the Team USA guys, all of them spoke so highly about him. So it's it's going to be very weird to see someone different um, coaching the Duke Blue Devils next season. Um, but, Trevor, you know, more basketball mix-ups, uh, but it's slightly different league. You know, in the NBA, Danny Ainge, GM, you know, the... President of Basketball Operations. I guess he's, yeah, he's the GM. So he's Stephen Nye's GM, President of Basketball Operations. And Brad Stevens, the head coach, is transitioning into that front office role. Uh, I've never heard anything like this. I don't really remember something like this happening. Especially a, a guy of Brad Stevens' caliber who is as great of a coach as he is. So, uh, Trevor, again, your, your thoughts on this? Because this was a weird one, in my opinion. Yeah, it's, it's very strange because I, like you said, I've never seen anything like this where... The head coach and Brad Stevens is a phenomenal coach. He's been he's been, been very good in college. He's done a very good job with the Celtics. However, this past year, you know, was the one year where people start to question: Is is Brad like is he like losing the locker room? How you know with the team and how they've kind of fell back to this 
a team that definitely underperformed after making the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Now they're a seven seed. They get beaten five games, just completely demolished by the Brooklyn Nets. Um, and yes, you know, injuries are a factor. Obviously, Jalen Brown, um, they lost Gordon Hayward from that team last year. These things are a factor, but you still would think that the Celtics would have done better than they did do. And I think some of that blame has to go to Brad Stevens. So, he, he, you know, he didn't do quite as well, of, as good of a job as he probably should have. And so, yeah, it's strange that it seems like, not that they were going to fire him, but it seems like he's underperforming, yet they're promoting him to general manager. Very interesting. Um, maybe they are, th- I mean, I'm assuming what they're thinking is that his skills may be suited better as a general manager. Um, you know, because of, you know, kind of how he's been with this team. And then if he can be the general manager, that might work better for him. I don't know. It, it's just very strange overall. And it's going to be interesting to see who they uh, replace as the head coach, because the Celtics, as good as they have been, for the past five, six years with this young core of Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, it's kind of, you got to start asking, when are they going to get a championship? Like, when are they going to get over the hump? Um, Because you have all these other teams in the Eastern Conference now that are um, getting better. So the the East overall is getting better. So it's going to be a challenge. Um, Certainly a lot of uh, issues they need to fill on their team, you know, as far as the role players go, as far as the way they've drafted the past few years, which their drafts, at least in the past like two years, has not been as good. Obviously, they got Tatum and Brown, but, you know, some of these other guys. So it's going to be interesting to see because the Celtics are facing a lot of uh, criticism lately. Yeah, this is definitely going to be very, very interesting. Where where do the Celtics move forward? How are they going to get back to... not? And they are winning. They're not a bad basketball team. I don't even think... I mean, you're not trying to say that. I'm just saying that I, I, it's going to be interesting to see where they move forward from here and how they can go up. Especially if Brad Stevens out. I just, I mean, I don't know if another coach is going to be as good as Brad Stevens. I love Brad Stevens, so and I've talked about that on the podcast. Um, but let's move on. we got a lot of NBA to talk about. Um, we're going to skip over trivia and randomly ranked today, as you guys can probably tell by now. Uh, I didn't mention it earlier, but Ben O'Brien is not on the pod today. Um, he's a little bit busy, but we'll be back next week. It'll be no worry. Uh, we'll see him back next week. He's, he's definitely missing being on the pod, but he's a busy man. You know, he, He's got stuff to do. But we'll get to the NBA talk. Uh, it's going to be kind of our main portion of the of the pod today. Um, so we, we saw the Lakers fall. Trevor Wright. Mm, uh, yep. I don't know if anyone really wanted that. I guess there's LeBron haters out there. Maybe they wanted that. Um, they lost to a pretty solid Suns team. Not what I expected to happen. Not, probably not what most people expect, expected to happen. Give us a little bit of a rundown because I, I got to, I caught almost the whole part of the last game. Um, and I, I wanted to hear your opinion of this series because it was kind of all over the place for me. Yeah, so a lot has changed since our last podcast, obviously, because the Lakers, I believe, were up 2-1 to one when we last talked about this series. And it seemed we like... We recorded early, too. Yeah, we recorded early. So it was like, it was seeming like, all right, the Lakers have this under control. LeBron, yeah, he's not 100%, but he's he's getting better. He had At that point, he was playing better each game. Davis um, recovered from his game one, was awesome in games two and three. And then in game four, he goes down again, gets hurt. Then he's questionable for game five, um, you know, and stuff like that. He doesn't play in game five. They get destroyed. And then game six, they're down 3-2. Here's the big game. Um, it's like... You know, is Davis going to play? Is he not going to play? He ended up playing, but he gets hurt again, you know, and, and now you have people talking about how, um, like, he probably shouldn't have played in the first place. What were the medical or the doctors thinking and all and everything like that? And now, 
you know, you look at game six with Davis out five minutes in, and now LeBron has to carry load on his shoulders like he's done so many times um, with a bunch of, you know, mostly young players, role players, stuff like that. And, um, you know, I, I guess in the past, he has carried that load and he's won anyway. You look at like 2018, the year after Kyrie left, he still somehow gets that team to the finals, which was just insane to, to even think that that happened. But you look at this team, and this wasn't the same LeBron. Part of that is definitely because of health. Absolutely. I don't know. Again, the percentage is 70%, whatever. He clearly wasn't 100%. You could see him kind of uh, picking his spots, you know, kind of waiting to turn it on until the second half a lot of the time. And to me, the main point uh, with LeBron is like, LeBron knows his limitations. Um, he's a very smart basketball player, basketball genius, probably the smartest basketball player that's ever lived. Um, and he knows his limitations. He knows what he can and can't do. Um, so he looked like he was worried about, like, you know, getting to the rim, elevating, potentially drawing contact to where he could potentially re-injure that ankle. So very uh, hesitant, I believe. Um, I think, like, 42% of his shots were three-pointers in the series, which is by far the highest percentage that he's ever taken in the series, which was definitely telling. Um you know, so, so that's rough, and obviously you have when LeBron said, I think it was early May, when he told, um, when he said that he would never be 100% again in his career. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how he recovers. And then from the Lakers as a team overall, I think it's pretty clear that these role players just didn't live up to what everyone thought. I mean, I know I personally expected the Lakers to be even better this year than they were last year because I thought the role players got better. I thought, you know, Schroeder, that's a, an improvement uh, compared to Rondo. That was not the case. Schroeder did not show up. Yes, I know he, he wasn't always playing, you know, in and out of the rotation, health and safety protocols, but Schroeder did not show up. Very inefficient. Couldn't hit a shot. Um, just kind of a, a non-factor. And then Kyle Kuzma, I mean, I, I always hesitate to say this because it's like all NBA players are good, right? But in relation to what we thought Kyle Kuzma was, you know, a couple years ago, even now, like he's just clearly not that. I, I just, he's not, he's not that good. Like Kyle Kuzma just continues to disappoint to me. And I, every game I watch him, I'm like waiting for Kyle Kuzma to do something, show some of that potential, and he never does. And then you look at these other guys, Andre Drummond played off the floor, Marcus All. I mean, he's on the verge of retirement. Um, who else? I mean, Caruso is like, I mean, Caruso's for what we expect. He's doing his part, I guess, but he's definitely not a starting point guard. So it's just rough. Um, like at least on that 2018 team that LeBron had, you know, J.R. Smith could have his hot streaks. You know, you could rely on Tristan Thompson here and there to, you know, at least as like a defensive guy in the paint. To, to give you some stuff. And then obviously they had Kevin Love too, which is better than um, Schroeder or any other of these guys. So it, it's a tough situation. And then from the Suns standpoint, you just got to give them credit. So um, definitely a tough series for the Lakers. And uh, we'll see what they are going to do next year because I think it's pretty clear that uh, they're going to have to make some changes if they want to make a run at the championship next year because a lot of other teams are getting better. Yeah, I think you make a lot of great points. I have a couple things to add. The main thing is, it seems like a lot of these LeBron teams, the players they bring around him are just like don't gel well with his play style at all. And this year, the guys obviously were like that too. And then on top of that, they didn't perform as well as they were supposed to perform. And just like you said, like Schroeder, I mean, completely absent. 
I, you would definitely think he's an improvement. I mean, I've always, especially like Schroeder in Atlanta, like back in the day. I mean, he was great, wonderful, wonderful yeah. player. I love Caruso. He can't be a starting point guard though. You know, he, he's he's a good you know sixth seventh man, but he's not start you know a starter in the NBA. He can't score like that. He's a great defender, but he can't score like that. And there's a lot of players that were like that on this team. And when AD went down, it kind of all collapsed. You know, it combined with you know AD not being healthy, LeBron not being healthy, it just seemed like it was kind of a mess. Um, then we see, you know what I find most interesting is then Magic Johnson says, oh, well, it doesn't look like the Lakers got the right guys, you know, like, <laughs> whatever he said. Magic Johnson, I, I don't want to hear anything from him about the Lakers. That man traded away every Lakers asset that was good, like, really good. Now, the AD trade, I understand, but they should have gotten rid of Kuzma and not, not, uh, like, Josh Hart or... You know, I guess Ingram was yeah. probably the center part. Well, of Josh Hart, part. yeah, Josh Hart's better than Kuzma now, which a couple of years ago you wouldn't yeah. have thought that. Yeah, it seems like like it, like getting. I mean, they got rid of Daniel Russell way back in the day for just nothing. I, like it's it's just crazy that they the Lakers had all these players at a point in time, Julius Randle, and they just gave them all away. They're all gone, and now now these players are flourishing in other places. I mean, imagine if Josh Hart was there instead of Kuzma. Kuzma's terrible. I mean, imagine if Josh Hart was there. Yeah, it would definitely right? help. You know, like, I, I I don't know if they would have won this series, but it would have been different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it seems like Kuzma, although some people say Kuzma plays good defense, but I, 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 <laughs> I don't see it. I don't know about that. I don't know about all that. Um, I, I, but... We'll, we'll see. I think next year's will be different. If, if AD and LeBron can stay healthy, they'll go far. Uh, they'll do well. We'll see who they can get around them. It's going to be interesting to see what they build around them. Um, but in terms of this series, this was a disappointing one. The Suns are a good team. I mean, I don't think they're going to win it all. If 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 Chris Paul could be healthy, they'll they'll go far. Um, and you know, I'd love to see like a series between them and the Jazz. It'd just be a good series. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll see. They they have a lot of good young players. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they have anyone like. Well, I mean, obviously Booker, but like I don't think they have anyone like crazy amazing. Besides him, like I feel like even Chris Paul, like I love Chris Paul, but like he can't score like fifty, you know, or not maybe not fifty. He can't score like thirty, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like Booker could score a lot, but there's not like an enormous amount of other guys that are like amazing. But they just have a lot of solid players who can play basketball like well. Yeah, and their system works well. Um, so we'll see how they do. But uh, Trevor, we'll move on. We got we got plenty more series to talk about. Um, up next is the uh, the Blazers and Nuggets, which I know is. Near and dear to your heart because of your love for Damian Lillard. So why don't you break down this series for us and, of course, the ending. Yeah, I mean, this series was just incredible. It didn't go seven, unfortunately, which I, I really wanted it to go seven. Um, unfortunately, we did not get that. Um, however, we did get a very good series um, between the Nuggets and the Blazers. And I got to talk about game five because this game was insane. Uh, double overtime, the Nuggets end up winning at 147 to 140. And Damian Lillard had a performance for the ages. He had 55 points, 10 assists, 6 rebounds on 17 of 24 shooting. And he made a playoff record all-time, 12 threes. He was 12-17 from three. And only had one turnover as well. So 10 assists, only one turnover, 55 points, very efficient. I mean, everything you can want from a performance uh, from a guy, obviously Damian Lillard, he has his defensive struggles, um, you know, in general, but offensively, just, just a cl- absolute clinic put on. And yet he couldn't get even just a couple more shots to go down from his teammates. CJ McCollum was having trouble, uh, you know, hitting shots. He stepped out of balance on, on like a key possession. You know, you have Nurkic who 
you know, dealing with foul trouble. He ends up fouling out late in that game, which was a huge hit to them, obviously, because Nurkic, um, very important. His plus-minus with the Blazers um, is very good, and when he goes out their defense completely kind of falls apart. Um, and then you have Norman Powell, who has had some good games, but not in that one. And after that game, they go into game six, and it's clear that Damian Lillard just, you know, very tired, not able to put together the same kind of performance in game six. And, you know, Jokic has an awesome one. You look at some of the role players that have stepped up in this series, like Monte, well, Monte Morris, obviously pretty good series. Austin Rivers, who um, I think they just, they just got, they just picked up not too long ago, who, you know, wasn't even like thought of as a, ever would it like Austin Rivers as a playoff rotation player like he just hasn't been that good recently but had some good games Mm -hmm. in this series so you know it's really uh crazy what the the Nuggets were able to play so well without Jamal Murray um and I think that's definitely got to be a testament to Jokic and how good he has been all season including in this playoff series and they're gonna have a tough time now with Phoenix and we'll talk about Uh, that series but you look at Jokic and with these role players who shot very well from the field you know very well from three and it's going to be interesting to see if they're going to be able to do the same thing uh, because Jokic is going to need help Um, obviously Michael Porter Jr. he's budding superstar he's been very good but some of those other guys Monte Morris Austin Rivers uh, can they keep it up in the next series that's going to be very interesting to see and then and then for the Blazers now this is the fourth year in five that they have been a first round exit so clearly some changes are going to be made there Terry Stotts now is out as uh the head coach uh after I think 10 not or I'm not sure how long he's been coaching there but he is out Mm -hmm. we might see some trade uh intrigue maybe for a CJ McCollum which is their best asset maybe a better team needs to be put around Dame. I doubt that Dame will leave because he's their franchise player. Uh, you know, he, he's. I don't see. He's not the type of guy that's going to request a trade, and I don't think there's any way that they would ever trade him. So, might see some CJ McCollum trade rumors. Um, maybe some of these other guys like Nurkic, or uh, maybe not Nurkic, but you have uh, Robert Covington and just some of these other assets that they have and Fernie Simons. So we'll see because. Damian Lillard, to me, deserves better. He is my favorite player in the NBA, so I want to see him have success, and I'm hoping that the Blazers can uh, put more, uh, put a better team around him for next year. Do you, do you think, one quick question before we move on, do you think the Blazers are one piece away? And I'm not saying if we had LeBron, I'm saying if we had a reasonable piece. Do you think one piece away from competing for a finals? Only, only if that piece is, yeah, only if that piece is like one of the best, eight to 10 players. Like if it's Kawhi, then okay. yes. If it's, if we're talking like, I don't know if we're talking like, <laughs> yeah, some other like, like let's say like player. an important starter, like a, like a guy maybe around Nurk- Nurkic's level of, of play. Uh, probably not. I think they probably need more okay. than that. Um, certainly, which okay. is, which is going to be tough because, the assets they have against CJ's the best one. So they don't have a ton of great assets to try to get, you know, um, another star with Lillard. Um, so it's it's going to be tough, man. They're really in a very difficult situation. But, um, I, you know, there's, there's still a chance. If they can get, you know, just good, like, defensive. I think another, like, defensive guard with Lillard. Like, the perfect player would be Drew Holiday, who now is with the Bucks. 
But Drew Holiday, mm-hmm. if you have a player like that around him, and then you give, and then you get them another like scorer slash creator. Like I know Gordon Hayward's had a lot of um, like injury problems, but theoretically, a healthy Gordon Hayward could really help this team out. Now, can they get those types of players? Probably not because of the assets. But uh, you know, we'll we'll see what they can do. So our next series here, we got Mavs Clippers, and this series has been such an odd one. The away team has won every single game. Uh, the Mavs were up 2-0 at the start uh, on the Clippers. The Clippers looked kind of beaten, you know, like like they, they were just kind of done. Um, and they've come back. It's now 3-3. Uh, Trevor, I, I want to hear an official prediction from you, which is going to be the small ball's prediction on this game. I mean, do we just keep on going with the away teams? Or, oh, man. you know, the, the Clippers winning, what is it, three of the last four? You know, what, what do you think is going to happen? I mean... <laughs> I'm I'm completely like fifty fifty. It, it's just like every time I think I know what's gonna happen in a series, the the opposite happens. It's it's such an unpredictable series. Like you said, uh, the way team has won every game. It's now going to game seven. You know, it's kind of been like a battle between like who's the best player in the series. Is it Luca or is it Kawhi? And there's been a lot of times where I'm like, man, I think Luca might be better than Kawhi. But now Kawhi. Obviously, in Game 6, responded with an incredible 45-point performance, just putting the team on his back, doing everything. And the Mavs, if the Mavs lose this series, they're going to really look at that Game 6 and been like, man, we should have won it there. We should have ended it in Dallas. And uh, we, we weren't able to. Um, as far as the prediction, uh, I mean, my I, I would say my heart says Dallas. I want Dallas to win just because I, I don't know. I, I want to see a new team, I guess. I'm... I would rather see Dallas, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, oh, man, it, it's incredibly tough. I think, see, I'm typically wrong, right? So if I pick the Clippers, then maybe it'll jinx and maybe the Mavs will win. So I think that's the best route to go is just say, I think I'll take the Clippers to win it, but I want the Mavs to win. So therefore, if I pick the Clippers, maybe it'll jinx it and the Mavs will win. So that, that's what I'll say. How about you? Do you have a prediction for this? I, I want the Mavs to win. I'm with you. Uh, now I, I I'll take them. I'll take the Mavs. I'm not gonna be like you. I'm not gonna be like oh I'll take the Clippers because in hoping it jinxes it. Although I do jinx stuff like that a lot. I feel like, but I'll take the Mavs. I and I feel like, I feel like Luca's the best player in this series. I, I I think he can outplay Kawhi. Obviously, I don't know if they're how much Luca will be guarding Kawhi, but, um, but yeah, no, I I'll take the Mavs. Um, but let's let's keep on moving along. Um, and we. We oh no we can preview let's let's preview the next series because we don't we don't know who who is gonna play the Jazz yeah Trevor why don't you break down both teams and what their chances are against the Jazz if they have any yeah so the Jazz to me and and I I I always like to look at like all right right now who are the teams that are playing the best right now uh, I, the Bucks didn't look that great last night so I almost want to adjust it right now uh, but my top three teams were uh, the Bucks the Nets and then I the Jazz third. So I think the Jazz are playing as the the best team in the Western Conference right now. They would they are my pick to make it to the finals, um, and I think they would beat either of these teams. Now I think that the Clippers would give them a tougher challenge because of the switchable defenders with Kawhi and Paul George. Even though they haven't necessarily performed up to their capabilities so far in this series on defense. Um, you know, Kawhi's been incredible on offense, but on defense, there's been, it's like, is this the same Kawhi we know as, as a defensive commodity and then Paul George as well? But 
I think the Clippers would probably be the tougher challenge. Um, now, the Utah's really starting to click well. Obviously, they kind of destroyed uh, the Grizzlies in that closeout game five. Looked very well. Donovan Mitchell, obviously, he was out for that game one, had a little bit, had a minor injury. He's now playing much better. And they just have so much depth, you know. On top of having Donovan Mitchell, a young superstar, uh, you have Rudy Gobert, who likely is going to win Defensive Player of the Year. You have Joe Ingles, Mike Conley, um, who, who's a, obviously a great now veteran who can play a uh, very well good shooter. Um, you have Bogdanovich. They just have so much depth. Um, and, and you add to that with a guy like Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, two good stars, uh, two guys that might both be top 20 players in the NBA at the very least. I think it's going to be a tough task for the Clippers, especially if they're struggling from, uh, from you know, shooting the three, which they have in some of the games this series because the Jazz shoot very well from three, and the Clippers normally do, but they haven't shot as well in the playoffs yet. So um, And then from the Mavs' standpoint, if they win this game and they match up against the Jazz, I mean, it, it all depends on how much help the role players can give Luka because Porzingis has been kind of a no-show. Tim Hardaway, he's had his heat checks. He's been very good in certain games, but there's been other games where, you know, he, he's not always consistent. But Tim Hardaway, I mean, he's their second-best player. It's not it's not Porzingis, you know. We look back at that Knicks trade now, Knicks-Dallas, and it's like it's the Hardaway trade. It's not the Porzingis trade anymore. But uh, you have that. You have other guys, Jalen Brunson, uh, you know, Boban has been uh, playing a little bit more. He's had a little bit of a influence in the series, but they need more help. They need to get more help for Luka. So I think the Jazz would probably beat them in maybe six games. And then if it's Clippers, maybe seven. So, uh, but I got the Jazz either way. I just love how uh, their team plays. Um, they're easy to root for. And then I'm a big fan of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert is obviously uh, incredible on defense. So I think the Jazz are going to take it either way. Hey, yeah, I'm actually not even that confident either team will take it to seven. I, I have a lot more faith in the Jazz and the firepower that they have. Uh, the, the Clippers, to me, are not very, very impressive. And I think if the Mavericks play to their full potential, they could bring it to seven or even win this series. But it's a question of putting all three of four of their best players you know, playing well on the same night, which just hasn't happened much in this past series. Um, let's let's go to another series. We'll preview. We got Suns and Nuggets. Um, and I, I think this is going to be a good series. I'm excited to hear what you have to think about it. It starts tomorrow at 10 o'clock. So Monday night at 10 o'clock. Yeah, so with Suns Nuggets, this is really um, not a toss-up because I, I do lean toward the Suns. I think they're probably the better team. But Jokic is the best player in the series. And the impact he's had on these other players making others better. Um, he can do a little bit of everything on offense. Obviously, we've, we've talked about it. He's going to be the MVP and he's... Um, you know, his scoring has just gotten better. Um, obviously, we know what he can do from a passing standpoint, and he's a really good rebounder. Um, so, again, like I kind of said a little bit earlier, it depends on what the role players give them. But I think Michael Porter Jr. could potentially be a standout in this series if the Nuggets were to win. And if he has, like, an incredible couple games, you know, where maybe Michael Porter Jr. just wins it for them in certain games... Um, you know, has 25, 30 points on in an efficient night, shooting very well from three. He could kind of take over a little bit. Um, but the Suns, you know, as I was kind of talking about with Utah, I think the Suns also have some very good depth as well with, you know, another young superstar in, in Devin Booker, similar to Donovan Mitchell. 
Um, now, I don't think the Suns are quite as good as the Jazz because, again, we have the Chris Paul stuff with, you know, his he's not 100%. Um, hopefully, the shoulder is feeling better, but it's, you know, he's not going to be 100% at all for the rest of these playoffs. So that definitely hurts their chances to make the finals. But the guy, um, well, in addition to Devin Booker, the other guy that's really stood out to me is DeAndre Ayton and how well he played against the Lakers. I mean, in game one, he just flat out. Um, outperformed Anthony Davis, wasn't close, just, you know, rebounding the ball. Um, he, you know, he always just like, he put, he always puts him in a good, himself in a good position to get rebounds. Um, and then from a scoring standpoint, he's just great at uh, rim running, you know, great on the catch, being able to uh, get in the right position to score the ball. So DeAndre Ayton's been very impressive this series. And it shows when he goes out, when he leaves the floor, goes to the bench, it shows because they have no one to back them up. You know, they kind of lean on guys like a Saric or a Frank Kaminsky, and it's totally different. That's when you see teams go on runs against the Suns when Aiton's out. Yeah. So Aiton's been very impressive to me. I think the Suns are going to take it, but I'm not super confident in it because, again, Jokic, uh, you know, he's he's capable of a lot. So it, I think it's going to be a really fun one. It's, it's nice to see two new teams. I know... You know, you would definitely like the Lakers to be in this series, but I'm I'm very interested to see two new teams um, in this series. Now I say this: I'm glad that if any team had to get by the Lakers, it was the Suns. I, I'm rooting for the Suns and the fact that they've had almost no success um, since essentially since um, Nat, Steve Nash was there. Um, so I hope the Suns win this series, and honestly, I'll even take them. I'll, I'll take them in seven. It's going to be a good one, though. This is definitely going to be, I think, the series to kind of look forward to. Yeah. Um, moving along to a series we got to see the first game of last night. I got to catch the whole game. It was not a very entertaining game. Then that's kind of the game looked closer at the end, but then that's kind of took this one. At halftime, it was close, 63-61, but it really wasn't close after that. Even without Harden, which is the Nets versus Bucks. Um, Trevor, I, I I have a tough time believing the Bucks are going to win this series. They're they're such a defensive heavy team, but I don't think they're even really suited to defend all the players the Nets have. I mean, we got of course KD, Kyrie. I don't know if Harden's going to be playing again this series, but Joe Harris is great. Um, you know, they got a lot of good players. Blake Griffin was lighting it up last night. You were texting me. He's the. I mean, you were texting me all these great things about Blake Griffin mm-hmm. during the game. What are your thoughts on this series? Yeah, so it's always tough to overreact because if you just think about what happened last night, it seems like based on the fact that, oh, they win it without even James Harden playing, it's like, oh, the Nets are going to run away with it. But I, I don't want to overreact. I don't think that's actually going to be the case. It's a long series. So I, I'm, I'm trying not to overreact here. Regardless, I do think the Nets are going to win. I, I predicted that they would win it in seven. I'll stick with it. Um but the Bucks clearly have a lot of things that they need to work on, things to change. Some of their rotations were, were very just not, not good at all. Obviously, you know, against the Heat, there were certain games where they really relied on their role players to make a lot of threes, like Bryn Forbes, like um, uh, who else? I mean, they have Jeff Teague, but really like Bryn Forbes had a big series. And then you have Bobby Portis, who's been a really good three-point shooter as well. Um, who I think they should they should play more, to be honest with you. Bobby Portis only played uh, 17 minutes last night. I think he should be playing much more than that. Um, Brooke Lopez, though he's a very good offensive player, and on paper, you look at Brooke Lopez's stats last night, it's like, oh, he was 8 of 11, had 19 points. A good game for Brooke Lopez. It wasn't his fault they lost. 
But if you look at some of those possessions where he's defending the pick and roll with KD, Blake Griffin, they're just completely abusing him. I mean, it's rough. Like KD, like he sits so far back on these screens. KD's getting easy mid-range jumpers. Uh, you know, he's he's bounce passing it to Blake Griffin. He's getting dunks. Uh, you know, pick and roll throw it to Blake Griffin. He's hitting a three. And they just completely take advantage of that. So I, I would like to see more Bobby Portis, uh, personally, for the Bucks. I think he can make a big difference. And then Bryn Forbes, obviously, he was 1 of 5 from 3, 2 of 8. Definitely expect more from him with the three-point shooter that he has been this year for the Bucks. Um, obviously, they're without DiVincenzo, Dante DiVincenzo, their starting guard, which that hurts at least a little bit. Um, and then also, look at Chris Middleton. He was 6 of 23. And, and zero for five from three, he's definitely going to play much better. So if you look at all these things, I think the Bucks played um, not maybe not the worst they possibly could have played, but you know, getting toward as bad as they could have played. So I expect much more from the Bucks in Game Two. I think they'll play much better. Um, you know, but you look at the Nets. Obviously, the Harden thing is kind of like the headline. It's like, oh, is what's Harden's status with the hamstring? Is he going to play in Game Two? How will he look? That's going to be very important, obviously. And then Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin was the standout from this game. He had 18 points, uh, 14 rebounds. He shot four of nine from three. And Blake Griffin, I mean, he was diving for loose balls. You know, he like him and uh, I, I think it was Bobby Portis, where they almost like. They were, like, fighting for the ball, and they got, like, mad at each other. It was almost like they were, like, about to fight. And and you could hear, like, the fans clap after that. That was, like, playoff basketball. It was really fun to watch Blake Griffin kind of at this stage of his career where he's still finding ways to contribute, even though he doesn't have the same level of athleticism. Um, you know, in, in certain games, you know, he can shoot it pretty well. And, uh, you know, he still can make a big impact, of course. So... And he's also just a really smart basketball player. Like, with his years, his playoff experience, he kind of has a good sense, and he talked about this in post-game, of, like, how to fill the gaps. Like, the Brooklyn Nets, they have these three great isolation scorers. How can I, Blake Griffin, contribute and give this team what it needs to kind of fill in those gaps? So that that's, like, defense, uh, giving energy, um, and, and he did that last night. So if Blake Griffin can continue to do this, then the Nets are going to win the title, I think. You know, maybe even without James Harden at this stage. I mean, obviously, he's very important. You need him. But if Blake Griffin's going to play like this, I mean, maybe you don't even need him. I, I don't know. It, he was very impressive. The Nets looked head and shoulders better than the Bucks last night. I mean, this makes me think that they're going to win in five, maybe six games. But I think five games to the Nets. I, I really think it'll be that lopsided. The Bucks just don't seem like they can handle the Nets' firepower, in my opinion. But we'll move along to our last series, which is the 76ers and Hawks. Um, that game starts, as we're recording this, it is right around noon, so in about mm-hmm. 40, 40 minutes here, 1220 it is, so 40 minutes this ga- the first game starts. Um, Trevor, predictions on this series, I, I don't know how, how uh, I don't know how far it's going to go, I'll say that. Yeah, so... It's really going to be dependent on Embiid's health. I mean, we don't. I'm trying to look for a status because we we still don't even know if if he is going to play in this game one. So I'm I'm still trying to find uh, Joel Embiid. Mark Stein just tweeted 55 minutes ago. Doc Rivers says Joel Embiid is a game time decision for today's game one. So it's going to be a surprise. We still don't know, um, but that's going to determine it. I've actually seen, and this and this might surprise you, Brandon. I've seen a fair amount of people actually picking the Hawks to win this series. I know that might sound crazy, really? 
but I, I think it's the I think it kind of is because of this unknown with Joel Embiid's health coming off of seeing what happened with like Anthony Davis, obviously, and like being worried about how this team looks without him. Um, obviously, they they played two huh. games against the Wizards without him. They lost the first one, and then they won uh, the second one without Embiid there. But you look at like you know you're relying on guys like Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, which Ben Simmons. Um, yes, he's a very good defensive player, but offense, you know, he can create for others, but he can't really create his own shot. You know, he struggles from the free throw line. So, you know, yes, he can get to the basket, draw contact, but then at the free throw line, he really struggles. So it's like, okay, offensively, Ben Simmons is essentially just looking for shots for others. You can really sag off of him and not have to worry about him shooting. And Tobias Harris, he has his good games where he's, uh, shooting well, but not necessarily every game, um, but I, it's still hard for me to, to pick the Hawks to win the series. I'm, I'm not going to do it because I, I just think that Embiid, even if he's not 100%, he'll have enough of an impact to make sure that the Sixers don't lose the series. But I I think it'll be, I don't know, I would say six games. I feel like six games is kind of like a happy medium between, like, if Embiid was fully healthy, maybe it'd be four or five. Or if he wasn't playing, maybe it'd be seven. Maybe the Hawks even win. So... I would say six. I think that Trey Young will have more difficulty in this series than he did in the last one with guys like Simmons and Thibel. They'll give him a lot of trouble. So I have the Sixers, but you know it. It's really dependent on Embiid's status. If Embiid's healthy, this game will go less than six. If he has to sit a game or two, it might it might go to six. So I don't see it going to seven. I just don't think the Hawks are that great at all. Trey Young's amazing. Um, and they got some talented players, but I just don't think that's enough of a hump um, to beat the 76ers. Trevor, any final thoughts before we wrap up the pod for today? Um, yeah, I would just say that, you know, we like I said at the beginning of the podcast, you, ac- you asked me to give you one word. I said chaotic. Um, obviously, injuries are a big factor in that, unfortunately, uh-huh. you know, with yep. some of these stars. Yep. Another thing is just looking at, like, how the series have changed so quickly. We look at last week when we recorded this podcast – and how it's changed so much. And yet, I still think that the top two seeds in each conference are going to make the conference finals. I still think that it's going to be Sixers, Nets, and Jazz, Suns. So even though the Suns weren't necessarily favored to get there, you know, I still think we're going to get the top two seeds in the conference finals. So it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, no, it 100% will. But I, I think we'll wrap up with the podcast uh, for there today. Thank you all so much to everyone who has listened. I uh, would really, really appreciate it. Of course, subscribe to the podcast if you enjoy the episodes. Um, go follow us on Twitter. The link is in the description. Or go to at the small baller, um, where you can check out when all of our podcasts go live. Um, we have many, many podcasts on the Small Ballers Podcast Network. So go follow and subscribe to all of them. Uh, but with that being said, thank you all so much for listening. And we'll see you next time. Go Falcons.